Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us yet again today. And uh, I have with me my new friend, Kristen Boyer. Thank you so much, Kristen, for making time for us today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Well, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about your photography business here in just a little bit, but we usually start off the podcast interviews with what we call the aha moment. And uh, this is very simply the biggest, hardest lesson that you may have learned as a photography business owner thus far. What comes to mind when you hear that? I would say my, my biggest lesson is don't be afraid. Um, when I, my aha moment was, um, photography had always been a hobby and it turned into people calling me and asking me questions. And, um, I took it and ran with it. I kept taking photos and speaking to people. And then, uh, one of the people that had been contacting me with questions and wanted my cheat sheets and everything started charging and turned it into a business. And honestly, I was, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I was jealous. I'm like, I, I could do that too. And that was my aha moment. I'm like, I, I can do this and make this into something that is more than just a hobby. And it started very, very organically. And it was, um, don't be afraid. And, and boy, was I afraid. Well, and it's easy to be afraid. I think a lot of the times too, as, as artist types, we're maybe a bit of a perfectionist and we assume that things have to be just so in order yes. to do something, whether it's start a business or you know try a particular, make a change in our business, start a, uh, pursue a different style, whatever it might be. Um, I know that I personally, that's, that's still something that I have to work through is that kind of perfectionist tendency that if I don't have it just right, then how can I start? A lot of times Absolutely. we just have to go for it and we have to do so intelligently, certainly, but a lot of times it just, it takes making that step and, and then kind of building our wings on the way down, if you will. Um, well, we're our harshest critics. It's true. We can look at things and I, I look at other photographers all the time and compare myself and I kept thinking, I, I can't you know, I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. And then I saw, uh, she was an acquaintance and I saw her kind of take the leap. And I thought, I, you know, it just pushed me out of my comfort zone yeah. and made me realize I, I can do this. And I had been doing all kinds of things, trying to make a business. Uh, when I had my kids, they're now 16 and 14 and, and I wanted to stay home and, and provide a little extra income. So it was really, when I saw her launch her little mini sessions. I thought I, I can do that too. And it started very, very small and very gradually. And, um, and uh, every day I think about that. I'm like, don't, you know, don't let fear stop you from doing something that you really want to do. And that was my, that was my moment. I was insanely jealous and I could either give into it or I could do it myself. Yeah. Um, use it as motivation to just go for it. I love it. I did. I yeah, did. You know, the Nike, just do it. Yeah. It's <laughs> a great logo. <laughs> it really is. Well, that's a beautiful way to start off our conversation. You mentioned your kids, actually. I'd love to to learn a little bit more about you and your family. I don't know that we've had the opportunity to, to chat in person, so we're kind of getting to know each other now, too. But tell yeah. us a little bit more about, about you, um, your kids, your husband, your family. Well, we're from Atlanta. Uh, I live just inside of 285 in kind of uh, middle Atlanta. And my husband and I have been married 23 years. Awesome. He is awesome. He's an amazingly supportive guy and um, very much 
the sturdy portion of our family. <laughs> and uh, I have two daughters, a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old, and they are both the light of my life. They are uh, fun, great, gregarious, smart kids, and watching them grow has been the biggest pleasure of my life. That's really And I have cool. two crazy rescue dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you said something on your website about how you don't have your kids on, on your phone's background. You actually have your dogs. <laughs> That's what, true. What kind of dogs are they? They're lab mixes, and okay. uh, they're both rescues. And we had another one who we just lost last December, and uh-huh. he was uh, a great dog. He, we had him for 14 years. So we're now down to two, which is what we're going to keep it. But um, they're awesome. And, you know, I have my dogs because I, my kids are always with me. So I don't, my dogs aren't. Um, so yeah, they're, 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 they're my little constant companions when I'm working in my office. No, I love it. That's really great. And you mentioned your, your kids being 16 and 14, mine are 16 and 12. So I kind of understand that stage. I find that I, that I'm constantly learning, um, and growing as a result of my relationship with them. What's, what's one of the biggest lessons maybe that you've learned from your relationship with your daughters? So many things. I wouldn't even know where to begin, but they, to take each new day, the fear that I mentioned earlier that I I try to teach them every day, do what you want to do and you can do anything that you want. They are uh, the, probably the, the best thing for me as a parent is being a photographer because with young girls, it's an automatic in to their world. They love any, any time, um, a field trip is needed or a chaperone is needed for a field trip. My daughter's friends want me to go because they know I'll take photos of them and I'll share them and they will be good photos. And it allows me to be on the periphery of my daughter's life in every aspect. And it's, it's a great blessing. That's really cool. Yeah. And then you, you can develop some notoriety on their Instagram accounts, right? I can. I can. <laughs> I think I have more followers from my, my daughter's friends and the teenagers than uh, I do from anybody else. So it's great fun. <laughs> That's hilarious. How do you and your family like to spend free time together? What does that look like? We love travel. Uh, we love to be together really just as a family. Last summer, we rented a lake house and a boat. And we laughed at the end of the week because it was just the four of us on a little speedboat, a little rented you know, speedboat. And we thought, gosh, we've spent the entire seven days on this tiny, in this tiny little space in this tiny little boat. And we still love each other as much as we did at the, the beginning of the vacation. <laughs> so, it was so a great. Huge, it was a huge compliment, but we love to travel. We went to Africa last summer and wow, whereabouts in Africa, we went to Kenya. We started in Nairobi and we did four different, uh, African or three different African safaris. And it was, one of the most profoundly beautiful experiences of my life. Oh, I can only imagine. Do you have any of these pictures posted somewhere that our our listeners might be able to see them? I do. On my personal Facebook page, I have an Africa album and, uh, it's, they're, they're amazing. They're really amazing photos. And really it's not an attribute to me. It's just, you, it's beautiful. It's just blow you away. Beautiful. And everywhere you turn, it's just more incredible than, the last few. At one point, we were in the middle of two female lions oh, uh, wow. at dusk on a hunt. And oh. literally, our Jeep was in between them. There's a video on my website where you can see, or not on my website, on my Facebook page, where you can see one lion on the left and one lion on the right. And we're like the one right in the middle. And they're, you know, six feet on the right and six feet on the left. So we're smack in the middle of it. And it was incredible. And we saw a lion kill. We saw it was just, it was beautiful. 
it was beautiful. And I bet that lends a certain perspective to that, that you don't, I mean, it's one thing to see that kind of thing on TV, but actually be up close and personal and see that in person just had to be amazing. It is. You just can't explain it. You just can't explain it. And it's, it's life, true, primitive life. We met the most amazing people, um, and had, the food was wonderful. The, uh, experiences were wonderful. The people were the best I'd had ever met in any of my travels. Uh, it was great fun. And probably, and this is kind of funny that the single most amazing part of that, we were gone for about two and a half weeks. The single most amazing part was that we were without internet connection for quite a bit of it. And my, that time with my then 13 and 15 year old, with no internet, so no Instagram or no social media of any kind, was a, a beautiful experience. We had we talked, we had fun. We there was no pressure. Uh, we read books. We did all kinds of things, and we didn't do any of it on the internet. Yeah, you know, I, this is interesting because this is something that is kind of ever present in my mind. How I'm spending time with my kids, of course, making sure that I'm actually giving them not just being in the same room, but, but truly being present with them, giving them yes. focus quality time. And one of the things we did recently, I, I just bought a, a wooden bowl, um, at target that, uh. that is kind of designated as the phone bowl, if you will. And, and that's, um, you know, for at certain times we can just put, put those, our devices, if you will, in, in that bowl so that, that there is not even the temptation of picking that thing up and looking at it and that yes. we're giving each other that, that focused time. And it's something I want to do even more of. But what I find interesting, and you're talking about your daughters and, and how incredible that time was, I think about when I began incorporating this with my kids and, and even just a simple act of sitting down to play a game, for example, and they don't have access to their phones, it it didn't really seem to hurt them. It didn't seem to bother them. It didn't even seem to be like, like they were missing them. They right. actually welcomed and soaked in that time that we were sitting and focusing on conversation or playing a game together or whatever it might be. I, I think it's a good reminder, certainly for me, but also for our listeners as well, if they have kids, that you should definitely encourage even if it's shorter segments of time, encourage that environment because you might be surprised that they'll actually welcome it. Even if they yes. won't admit it out loud, that they'll actually <laughs> welcome it. And certainly it's going to encourage a relationship. So that's really cool. Well, and we have a very finite amount of that time yeah. with our kids. I'm looking at my daughter who tomorrow gets her driver's license, hopefully, wow. and she'll be on her own. She'll, that's even more freedom that she has. So our time together, uh, you know, she's looking at, she's a sophomore right now in high school and she'll soon be off in college and that, you know, our, our lives will be very different. So we, uh, have become much more appreciative of these opportunities together. Oh, for sure. Me too. And, and you mentioned being gone on that trip for two and a half weeks. So as a photography business owner, how do you create the space in your life for that kind of travel? Is there a particular tip or technique or workflow that you're applying that, in, that gives you that kind of freedom, that flexibility? Well, I, it was, we planned it very far in advance. So I knew that for those, and then I gave myself about a half a week for three or four or five days when I came back to reacclimate and just respond to emails. But, um, I just marked it off on the calendar and, you know, the benefit of, your own business is that you can make the time that you want for yourself and for your family. But the drawback is that if you're not working, you're not making money. So, you know, you really do have to plan it in advance, but I did. And I don't regret, I don't regret it. I'll do it every single time. When we went to the lake last summer, I did the same thing. Took 10 days uh, to be with my family and I brought my camera, but for personal 
use only, and it was lovely. Well, and and it's easy, I think, to forget that we really can just set that time aside. It's not a matter of, you know, if we can or the possibility, but we just do it. Just go into the calendar, block it off and and make it a priority, not only to get away for yourself, but ultimately to connect with other people in your life as well, friends and family. Um, I've said said this so many, probably multiple times now on the podcast, but um, the thing that I'm, I'm always amazed at is the conversations that I'll have with people that I assumed were close to me anyway. And, you know, it, there's, a, there's a conversation that goes something like, hey, would love to get together with you sometime. Do you have, um, c- can we make that happen? Do you have this time available? Do you have that time available? And the response uh, at times is either for, to, to myself, or I've even heard this, of course, through, through friends or otherwise, is a, ah, I'm not sure, we'll see. Um, right. Versus just that simple notion of, like you're saying, go in there, block the time off, make it happen. Um, I, I think that that um, that action actually speaks very, very loudly that we're actually prioritizing the time for the people in our life. And, and I think it's really, really important. I can certainly speak from experience um, growing up in a, in a really busy family as well. And I've certainly carried that over to, to my parenting and prioritizing that with my kids. But I think it's so important just to make it a priority and just do it. Right. Well, and I, for this year, my goal is exactly that. I have, especially for the fall, I got way overwhelmed this past fall and I did not plan my time well. And so this year I have blocked out already on my calendar, the days and weekends that I want to work and the times that I will be available. And I'm going to do my best to stick to it. Now I've already muddled it up a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I'm, I'm trying. So it is, it's so hard, but it's so important. Well, speaking of your business, too, I'm, I'm curious how long you've been in business. You, you alluded brief, briefly to how that got started, uh, but how long ago did you actually launch into your photography business? Well, I, I mentioned it was very organic, so it's hard to say because I didn't, I never intended to start a photography business. It was a hobby that just kind of grew and grew and grew, and never would I have dreamed I would be where at the point I am now. And that I have bigger dreams. I, I just didn't let myself think that way uh, for whatever reason. But um, officially, once I became incorporated and I got my insurance and all my licenses and things I needed to do, uh, about five years. So not a whole very long time. And I bet you've you've learned a lot during that that time frame. Oh. And, and you're in a really busy market in Atlanta too. I, I don't live very far from you. I'm actually up in, in Chattanooga area. Um, oh, yes. But what is it like to establish a new brand there in Atlanta? And ultimately, how how do you set yourself apart from so many photographers in that market? What's your brand position? I would say joy. That sounds probably a little bit strange, but I'll start with Atlanta market. There are so many photographers, but there's room for every one of us. There are so many people, there are different levels of photography, there's different kinds of photography. You know, I would love to see a collaboration with photographers more so, um, because there's so many opportunities for growth and development. There's great ideas. There's just a a plethora of things that we can do if we band together. Um, I, my kind of journey started with, um, joy. I, I take photos of children. That's what I love. That's what I specialize in. And, I never really did any advertising. I never did any kind of promotion. I just had Facebook. And now with my children forcing me to, I did Instagram. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I've, it, that's my, my brand is joy. I want to capture children as children and people as people. And I'll give, you know, kind of direction on 
how to pose or whatnot. But then I want people to be, I want people to engage with each other and laugh and have fun. And I think that's what comes across in my, like on my Facebook page or my website is some of the organic photos that I take and people love it and I love it. It should be fun. Oh, absolutely. It should be. How, how do you effectively communicate that notion of joy to your clients or that this is what your brand offers them? How do you communicate that on your website or in person or otherwise? I think they just see it. I don't really, they know me. I, I've done a lot in my community as far as volunteer and as a parent to young children. I was very involved. So they knew me. They knew my style and kind of who I was and they just saw it. I, I really, it, it's probably terrible to say, but I don't really communicate a brand position at all. I mean, my, what I have on my website is how I photograph. I like clean, simple photography that, that profiles people and capture real emotion, real smiles. And, um, and that's kind of it. I wish I had a fancier answer for you. Well, but, but you know, I, I think it's, it's a good point that, um, uh, that to reiterate, which is if you want to photograph a particular style, if you want to offer a particular style of photography, excuse me, to your clients or, uh, to your uh, potential clients, it's important to make sure that that style is clearly established on your website. Um, right. It may seem like a simple idea, but just putting kind of any and everything out there when you only really want to photograph a particular style um, can be confusing for the client and ultimately frustrating for you uh, as the photographer. So I think yes. it's important to remember to to very, very clearly communicate what it is that you're offering through the work that you post on your site. Now, you're, you've been in business for, like you said, five years or about five years. And I'm curious, yes. just from the, the, the standpoint, the perspective of a relatively new photographer, what is in your gear bag? Or more specifically, like what, what's a favorite camera body or lens or accessory of some kind um, that you use on a regular basis? Well, I'm a gear junkie. Are you really? Okay. I confess. I love it. Um, and I just bought, I, I coveted when it first came out, the Canon, uh, the 5D Mark IV. Yeah. When that first came out a year ago or so, just over a year ago. And I, I desperately wanted it, but I thought, I can't, I can't buy that. Well, at Thanksgiving, it was on a Black Friday special. And so I bought it for myself. And I, I absolutely, it was it, it's an awesome lens. It's an awesome camera. I mean, awesome body. And then my lens, I'm full on Canon and I have, uh, my two primary lenses that I use the most are 7,200, uh, a 2.8 and then my 24, 105. So those two are my go-to lenses for virtually everything I do. Well, and, and with that range, you can pretty much do everything that you do. That uh, gives yes. you so much flexibility. Yes. It's awesome. And then I have just a, you know, the, the, quantum flash and a turbo three battery for my flash when I'm on location or I want something smaller. I use speed lights, Canon speed lights, and then uh, alien bees for my studio. And what is it that you'd like so much about that 5d Mark IV? It does everything. I haven't even experienced all of what it does. It, <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I love the touch screen, something so simple, but it makes navigating so much easier. Sure. I love how you can automate it to different, uh, different shooting scenes. You know, if you're doing kids or if uh, anything, I mean, it's just so versatile and it, I have barely tapped the potential of this camera. Do you have, do you have a, a second of the same body or do you have a second camera that you use as a backup? I have, yes. My backup is my Mark II. 
So I was already familiar with it, but, um, you know, I skipped the three and went to the four. So um, it is still my backup, and I, I still love that camera, but, you know, this one is is awesome. That's really, really great. Well, so, yeah, you, I spoiled myself at, at Christmas. <laughs> Every <laughs> once in a while, it's fun to do that. I've, I've told this story now multiple times on the podcast, but, you know, one of the, the main reasons that I got so excited to, to get into photography in the first place was the gear. You know, all I had was this kind of cheap SLR at the time because I was shooting film. And um, the, the idea that I could go buy this really fancy camera, expensive yeah. camera that was fast and responsive and felt good in the hand. Oh, it's, it is really fun. <laughs> well, I started, that's how, actually really one of the ways I started. I, I had a, a Canon, a Rebel T2i, and that's what my husband gave me. And it's what started me taking photos and putting everything, taking it off of of auto and putting it on manual yeah. and learning everything I could. And then I started to buy different things. And my husband's like, okay, we really need to be careful of the equipment that you're purchasing. I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> can't just get everything. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. All right. Well, you're, you're a portrait photographer, but one of the things that you specialize in specifically is school photography. And this is not a topic that we've really delved into a whole lot on the book of podcasts as of yet. So I, I want to get into this a little bit more, but how did you get into this specific genre of photography? Well, I, I used to work at a preschool around the corner. When my daughter was little, I spent about three years working with the two-year-olds at a local preschool of about, about 150 kids. And once she moved into middle school, I left that. Um, it was just kind of while I was there. And the director of the program knew me. Once she started seeing some of my photos again on social media, she reached out to me, actually, and asked if I would be interested in taking the school photos. So I went in and met with her and showed her how I would take them and what I would do versus the photos that my daughter had had there, which were very, very different than what I was going to be offering. <laughs> I said, yeah. here's, you know, here's how I would do it. And uh, she put her trust in me, and I am forever grateful because that started what I never would have thought of doing on my own. And um and my, my mouth is a lot faster than my brain. You know, I'll, I'll frequently say yes to things before I really <laughs> have time to process it. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And then I've done, you know, um, so many since. It's, it's great. Well, I, I actually had the opportunity a number of years ago to work for LifeTouch. It's just kind of a, an additional means of generating some income when I was a photographer. And I did school portraits. Uh, at the time, most, if not all of the work that I did with the school portraits was done with these massive, very clumsy cameras that we had to set up. The whole process of setting things up, you know, like in a school gym, for yes. example, with yes. the backdrop and these, these massive cameras on, on the tripod and um, the whole process, the, the, the workflow that, that we were supposed to go through. It was, it was a bit tedious and I'm sure largely different than what you're doing right now. But that was for LifeTouch. Yes. And at the time, really... Life Touch and Olin Mills used to kind of dominate the school photography landscape. And if a photographer, an individual studio was going to consider even getting into that space, they had to deal with the um, you know, kind of the monopoly, if you will, that Life Touch and Olin Mills had. What is that, that landscape? What does the market look like now? Well, in a lot of ways, it's the same. And in a lot of ways, it's very different. It is still, Life Touch is still huge and there's still a, a market for them. They are a quick you know, one or two photos per child on the same backdrop, not much personality. Uh, when you're dealing with like my daughter's high school is 
thousands of kids. That is a perfect school for Life Touch. Right. That's what they do. They specialize in that. They process a lot of kids and they churn them in and out. I do something very, very different. Parents are tired of kind of the ugly school photos, but school photos are also a little bit of a rite of passage. I think, I mean, I, I know my mom still has my photos, my school photos of my brother and I hanging over her telephone in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just part of our life story. And uh, the schools that I photograph are typically between 100 to 800 kids. And uh, they're much smaller. I love the small daycare. Well, not really daycare. They're preschool kids. And then my largest school is about 800. And I just have maybe three or four of those. So it's just a very different style than Life Touch or Olin Mills. I don't even know if Olin Mills does that sort of thing I, anymore. I don't but. think they're even in business anymore, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't. Wow. Well, then there you go. They don't do it. Oh, no, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an archaic dinosaur. But uh, mine are very clean and simple. I take a little bit more time per child. It's not just one um, one photograph per kid. It's it's five or six different poses. Okay. It's different expressions. Um, it's getting them to jump up and giggle and laugh and have a good time. So it's just a very different experience than the Life Touch experience. Wow. And, and are you using backdrops? Are you photographing outside? Or what does that scene look like? Both. I have, I always have two backups. I have a outdoor spot, which I go scout before the day of the photo session. And then I have a backdrop that I just, I know what I'm going to use and yeah. the props, things that I'll use in the event that it's raining or bad weather. And how long will it actually take you to, sh I mean, you said a school with 800 kids, especially with your style, how long does it take you to do that? Well, the 800 kids I do with an assistant and I have, well, actually I do all of my schools with assistants. Um, but the 800 kids I'll do over about four days, three to four days. Wow. And it's just, it's a very time consuming process, but it's also an opportunity as a mom. I know the value of a good photograph of your child. Um, and sometimes in some schools, it might be the only opportunity that these children have to have a really good photograph. Sure. And so I take it very seriously and it's, it's a very important, uh, like I said, it's a kind of a rite of passage. Um, so I do take, and sometimes in the bigger schools, I don't have two to three minutes. I might have 30 seconds. But in those 30 seconds, I need that child to feel amazing and beautiful and smart and funny. And that's my job is I do all this pre-planning and pre-work in order to, to be fully focused on that child for that amount of time and to make them walk away and say, that was fun. School picture day is the best day of the year. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, so with that being said, then what, what would you say is the most challenging element of offering the service? Very much the workflow and the processing before and after logistics, how do parents see their photos? How do they get their photos? You know, the, the organizing, if, if I have a school with 800 kids, then how do I keep up with the names of the child and what class they're in? Yeah. Uh, you know, all of that stuff. So that logistically is something that needs to be figured out well before the uh, school date. And I get a spreadsheet from the schools and put all of that into my system and get it organized and set up well before I go. And then uh, they see all of my logistically the photos and viewing them and ordering them are done on my website after uh, within three to five days after the, the photos are taken. Wow. And one of the other challenges is lighting. Like if I'm shooting outside, sure, you know, the light is constantly changing. So I'm always moving my um, 
lighting equipment. But one of the best things I ever did a number of years ago was buy a big giant tent. And I put everything underneath the tent and it's like a big, huge softbox. Wow. Okay. So, so that you're actually letting is, I mean, this is kind of like a translucent tent or, or what do you mean by yeah, that? You know, that like the pop-up tents that you get for tailgating or when you go to a craft show, yeah. you see those big tents that the, the folks at the craft show are underneath. I bought one of those off of Amazon okay. and, um, I just pop it up and I, I try to pick a spot that is going to stay shaded for the, the majority of the day. Sure. But inevitably I have to move my tent, but it allows, it makes great light um, so I have one alien bees with my battery and then, uh, actually I have two, but I, I might only use one. And then with that tent, it makes a big, huge softbox. Wow. If, if only we had tents for wedding yeah. photographers, like <laughs> imagine know. if you could just transfer those all around. I mean, and you know, this being in, in the Atlanta area, midsummer, when I used to shoot weddings, yeah. midsummer day, you know, that when you end up photographing the, the couple outdoors at like three o'clock yes. in the middle of the afternoon, especially in a cloudy day, yeah. there's something about the light here that just means extra deep shadows on the right. eyes. And, you know, it, it of course, when I was shooting, or at least early on when I was shooting, these these digital cameras didn't have the best dynamic range either. So right. you had to consider that. And as you were saying, ideally find some open shade. But yeah, that would be convenient if you had a, a tent. On the flip side, though, of all of this, what's what's the most rewarding element? And I think maybe you kind of alluded to this already, but what's the most rewarding element of doing school photography? Uh, the smiles. Um, absolutely. Engaging with the kids and connecting with the kids. Yeah. Um, Probably some of the most rewarding. I, a number of years ago, maybe one of the first years I did this, I had a, a special needs group of children, and uh, the teacher came out. And we, they were watching us take the photos, or me take the photos, and uh, she said, "This this child won't smile or talk." And I connected with him on some level, and he made some noises and some grunting noises. He made eye contact, and he got what was a beautiful smile for him. And the teacher, I looked over, and the teacher was crying. Wow. I said, what, you know, did I do something wrong? I was worried. And she said, no. She said, that's the first noises he's made all school year. And that moment was probably one of the most beautiful moments I've had as a photographer, is that I, I... I connected with that child. And I honestly, I have no idea if that family ordered their photos or not, but that's not, that wasn't the point. The point was that he felt good and he enjoyed it. And, and I have that opportunity every time my child stands in front of my lens. Wow. And that, that's a really, I mean, that moment in and of itself, truly beautiful. It, it's, it takes a lot of grace though, too, to, to maintain that attitude, especially when you've got 800 kids. Um, Because I I remember (laughs) those days, photographing and you know a range of ages too or the the younger elementary school students on up uh, and it, it can be extremely challenging and not everybody's particularly cooperative to maintain that attitude throughout can be a challenge but I, I, your your passion is very obvious and, and I'm sure oh, that tr- translates to what when you're actually there at the school I think it's it's really really lovely what let, let's actually talk about just kind of on a practical level um, what makes a good school portrait session maybe you can kind of share some of the key elements that make a really good school portrait session with our listeners? So many things. Um, relax and have fun. All of the, the basic work should be done beforehand. All of the um, getting the gear and the instruments and the spreadsheets and the class lists, all that stuff yeah. should be done beforehand. So the day of 
really all you're doing is setting up, going in early, getting it organized, and then bringing the kids out. And your focus at that point is just to have fun. It's to enjoy it. Uh, One of the things that I do with the kids, depending on ages, and I might get in trouble one of these days, but I have them say something like, I'm delicious, or I'm a rock star, or I'm a, you know, rocket scientist, or anything (laughs) to make them kind of laugh. And they think it's hysterical, especially when you tell, you know, a, a person to say, I'm delicious. You know, they just... They, they giggle, they laugh, they dance, they have a good time. Um, so that's really the, one of the main things is you should have fun and they will too. Um, keeping it simple. There's so many things that can go wrong. So just keep it simple on the day of. Uh, be organized and efficient. And most of that is done beforehand. Um, if you've got backdrops, keeping those simple too. And be, have the focus be on the child as opposed to a bunch of stuff. Um, and then take as many shots. I I try to take between, I'd say five to eight or four to six shots per child of different expressions. So the parents are more likely to buy a series when they're different or they're doing different things. So that's, those are some of the, the, for me, the key elements of keeping it, um, keeping a, a portrait session fun and enjoyable. Well, and, and there are a couple of there that stand out to me because they're really not just applicable to school portrait sessions, but just I think portrait sessions sessions in general. One is is the idea of making sure that you're having fun because that really that energy really will transfer to the person or the people that you're photographing. I think that's so important. Yes. If you look bored or you're monotonous or you're not communicating, that is gonna that is gonna make all the difference in the world in the end result because they just won't be as engaged. You may even make them nervous um, in, right. in that behavior. So that's really important to remember. And I love the idea of simplicity too. I, I was thinking earlier actually when you were talking about the importance of of raw emotion or real emotion. Um, something that I've said in the past is you know give me good light and some raw emotion and I can make a, a, a good portrait in a Walmart right. parking lot. Like you don't you don't really <laughs> need much especially with the the lenses the depth of field that we the control that we have over depth of field with the fast lenses um you can create yes. a, a beautiful portrait pretty much anywhere but again to our first point it really does take bringing a positive energy and excitement um a happiness to that portrait session and it'll translate to the clients and that's that's really really important that's good yeah and you're dealing with children too. So, you oh, know, they're yeah. of all different ages and right. mainly I do younger uh, kids. So, you know, they, it's just getting them to relax and it's, it should be fun. It should be enjoyable. And I need to enjoy it too. <laughs> it's, it's true. Now, the other point that you made, I just want to touch on this briefly is, is the importance. And you actually said it more than once, but of being organized and more specifically getting organized ahead of time. And I think it, it's funny because this is a principle that's also applicable, not only to our, just any one of our businesses, but even to our personal life too. It's funny how if, if you just make the concerted effort, it may be a little frustrating in the moment, takes a little bit of a time investment, a little bit of energy expended, but ultimately make the investment up front in becoming organized, developing a system or a series of systems, um, because that will ultimately free you up as a business owner and even as an individual uh, to, to then truly enjoy what it is that you're doing. So you don't have to think about that in the moment. So I think that's a great right. reminder for our listeners as well. Well, and offloading, knowing what you're good at and identifying that and then the things that you can give to other people or different groups and do that. Um, that was key to my success last year. Uh, and one of my goals last year was I needed to prioritize and, um, 
and reorganize myself because I was spending so much time at my computer doing the things I didn't want to be doing yeah. when I, you know, there were other things that I was really good at. So that was huge for me last year. Yeah, delegation is is a huge element of running not only a, a business that doesn't burn us out, but one that that gives us a bit of freedom and flexibility on the back end too. Not not right. being stuck behind your computer, as you were saying, that's so important. Yes. So, yes. If, if one of our listeners, uh, or maybe more than one of our listeners, wanted to get into, or at least consider getting into school portraits and incorporating that as an element of their business, what would you say are some some next steps that they can actually take toward that goal? Well, the first I would say is figure out a workflow. How would you do this? Find a lab. How are people going to view and order their photos? Um, a website that kind of would integrate uh, online ordering and make it easy for your client as well as the school to work with you. Yeah. I would do a model call and get, depending on what age of child you want to focus on, I would, you need a portfolio. You need to be able to show the kinds of images that you would take and ex examples of those images. Um, so do a model call and get that age child in either in your studio or outside or whatever you plan on doing. I would call friends and family with kids the age that you want to get into and have them help you reach out into where their kids go to school. I would start small because taking on a big school can be you know, you want to start small first so you can work out the kinks and figure out what Absolutely. went well, what you need to fix before you take on a school of about 800 kids. Oh, yeah. I, that number still kind of is mind boggling when I think about it. Like the fact that you're doing that, just you and an assistant is pretty incredible. But yeah, jumping straight into that would be probably a slight bit too much. Well, I did that. <laughs> that was the first, other than my first school, which was about 150, my next school before I could think twice uh, called me and they were about probably about 600 kids. Wow. And that was the first, first big school and I've had them ever since, but, um, they were my guinea pig, so to speak. And, um, I learned a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. But but I, I think your, your your advice is good, though, to, to start small and, and that you can kind of minimize the overwhelm. It allows you to kind of refine your the, the workflows that you're talking about. And it's a good way yeah. to, to getting into the business. That's great. Right. And stay true to yourself. Stay true to yourself. And, and, and describe what that what that means to you, because I know that's a phrase that we hear a lot these days in the industry. But how, what does that mean for you? And how does that play out in your business? Well, for me, I love young children. And that's what I'm going to focus on. I have a lot of people ask me to do various types of photography that I have no interest in. I don't really want to do, a, you know, much older kids. I don't want to do events. I don't want to do weddings. I've narrowed down what I love. And I love the chaos and unpredictability of young children. I love families. I love the connection between families. And that's what I want to capture. And that's really what defines my photography and my style because that's what I love. So, and as a mom, I know how very, very important it is because it, it's gone so quickly. So it's, it's just critical. Those, that's how I define myself. And that's what pushes me to, to photograph who I photograph. That, that's really good. And, and this has been a theme on our podcast as of late, but it's, it's important to understand what it is that you're reaching for. When you talk about this idea of a definition of what 
ultimately makes you happy as a photographer. It's right. really, truly important to be clear about that. And, and it's, it's not just a matter of picking that, that thing um, on a whim, but being clear about your kind of overarching objectives in life. Let that translate to your business and let that then help determine the business model that you create. And you've done just that by incorporating school photography in your business. I, this has been, I, I've, I've really loved our conversation and, and um, there are so many great takeaways here for our listeners. And I can't thank you enough for making time to have this conversation. Where, where can our listeners follow you online, see what you're doing? Uh, my website is kboyerphotography.com and my Facebook is kboyerphotography and Instagram is at kboyerphotography. The letter K. Okay, so we'll make sure to to link to these in the show notes. Our listeners can jump on and see what you're doing and uh, potentially reach out to you, ask questions if, if they have any. But I really can't thank you enough again for making time for the Boca podcast uh, today. It was my pleasure and I thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.